Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99. At participating U.S. restaurants, price may vary. All right, we'll do the we'll do the formal intros later, but I just want to say happy holidays to Vinny Goodwill from Detroit, Michigan, right? Vinny Goodwill from Detroit, Michigan. Is that correct? That is correct. Where are you going with this? I feel like you're going, some, right, you're right, going well, somewhere. What 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 part of Detroit? Where are you from in Detroit? You know, give me a give me a Detroit memory or two. You know, your favorite so, something that just makes as dear to your heart. Favorite memory in Detroit. A neighborhood, a corner. Something, a restaurant. Give me a Detroit. Hmm. Give me a quick Detroit. Uh, well, as Frank you think about it, don't, don't answer. I got you. Okay, don't, right, don't go ahead, answer. Go ahead, go ahead, right. go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead, answer real quick. All right. Sophie Rice Settlement on the northeast side of Detroit. My aunt, my favorite aunt was a school teacher, and she ran a summer program. So basically, my childhoods in the summer were like filled with field trips and Motown museums and Cedar points and basketball mm-hmm. and everything else. So that's a, that's a very Detroit ish Detroit memory, See, but I feel like you setting me up for something. What do you, you, oh, you I am set setting you up. up. I'm setting you up. Set up Cause I, something. you know what you said it, you said it perfectly because I feel that what you just said, just that, that little snippet, I felt Detroit there and let's feel some more Detroit Vinny from the pivot podcast, Ryan Clark, Channing, Channing, Chowder, Channing Crowder, Channing Crowder. Sorry, Channing. Channing Crowder, Ryan Clark, The Pivot Podcast. Let's hear some more Detroit. Is that why y'all walked off? No, here's why, here's why we walked off, right? There was a lot of things that were going on. We down three zip. Jordan and Phil Jackson, but mainly Jordan, has a press conference the day before. They getting ready to beat us. And he called us thugs, bad for basketball. You know, all that was being talked about. But then they still went and got half my team. <laughs> all right. But. <laughs> Look, there's a little something there. Yeah. There's a little something there. No, it ain't a little something. It's a lot of. There's <laughs> 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 a, a lot of something because cause it ain't. It ain't it, it just been lying. They, they ain't been telling the truth. And then <clears throat> called us undeserving champions. Mm. Now, we didn't beat the Lakers. We didn't beat the Celtics. We didn't beat y'all several times. Ain't nobody had a harder march to the NBA Finals than the Detroit Pistons. We didn't got cheated. We didn't got beat up. We have beaten the best of the best to ever play this game. If Jordan, they saying you the best, Beat your ass. Magic and Kareem, beat you. Bird and Mikhail, beat you. Can't nobody else say that. We the only one that can say that. Now, when you say we undeserving and then we bad for basketball and you, you throw these stereotype labels on the black community in Detroit and then put them on all teams, So I get it now. I get it. I get it now. Now I get it. I get it. I get it. Like, okay. First of all, Vinny, uh, that thing is never going to thaw, is it? That that Jordan, Isaiah thing. Unfortunately, like we, we we can give you some holiday cliches. Here's the holiday season. Let's appreciate all the things that we have and all this wonderful. No, 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 no. These guys, it ain't happening, is it? Jordan and Isaiah. They just never gonna come together and resolve some of the stuff that is out there that Isaiah put out there in that podcast. Unfortunately, isn't this what we've asked for out of our sport gladiators to carry that to carry that bitterness and that anger and that feud and that rivalry on forever? Don't we get mad at players in this huggy? You know, dapping up generation, the AAU generation. Don't we get mad at players no, for exchanging? No, yes, we do. Not after, yes, we do. 
Not when they're yeah, done. Do. Not when they're done. When they're over, when their careers are over. You can't hey, have I, it both I, ways. Isaiah, Isaiah played last played a game thirty years ago, man. It you, was thirty you're right. years ago. Okay, okay. Back to the lecture at hand because we're getting off the top. And I'm going right, to personalize go ahead, go ahead. this. I'm going to personalize yeah, this. Let's notice why you asked me a question. I'm going to personalize this. On, One of the reasons I got into sports writing was because of that particular moment right there. Because of incomplete stories that were being told only from one point of view. Of course, it says, you know, victory writes the victory. They, they write history, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. even if you're the victors on, in, the last, in the last of it, it doesn't matter that you lost beforehand. If you were the last man standing, so to speak, then you get to write history. And Michael Jordan has written history for the better part of 30 years. And so much of the Pistons walk-off was, hey, you guys are sore losers and everything else. And a lot of it was just in that particular moment. You don't reduce champions. Now, as much as you can say about the Pistons and the bad boys back then, they always respected the Celtics. They always they revered the Celtics in a, in a way. Now you didn't play like it. You can't revere them on the floor. You gotta right. treat them with disdain on it. You gotta you gotta play with competition. Same thing with the right. Lakers. They revered what the Lakers stood for. So many teams back then watched Michael Jordan fly through the air. They they were in awe of him. And Detroit and the Pistons had the unmitigated gall to say, you know what? You may be coming, but this isn't your time yet. Yep, and and yep, we're exactly. not and, and, and we're we not gonna going let you to fly through like that. We it's it's competition, man. We want our players to compete. We want guys to go as hard as they can within the scope of the rules, right? Within the scope of the rules. Not cheaters or any, they didn't they didn't cheat the rules. They didn't cheat the game. You never saw the Detroit Pistons cheat the game but somehow what was that their championships what, 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 have tw- become discredited through time well let me ask you real quick real quick because i want you to keep going i love this what was he talking about because i was watching the, the pistons and bulls at that time enjoyed all of that pistons bulls lakers pistons pistons celtics great stuff i mean great rivalry some iconic moments in the history of the game whether it's isaiah playing on uh, the, the ankle you're like man how are you how are you making shots when you're hurt to Isaiah making the, the ill-advised pass where DJ uh, gets the layup from Bird and all this stuff. So a lot of stuff. Bird, Bird and Isaiah, they used to, I mean, uh, uh, Isaiah and Magic used to kiss before games, but no more, no more. Oh, no, we got beef. Oh, we're getting mad at each other, all this stuff. But what was Isaiah talking about and said we got cheated? When did they get cheated? I missed this. Who? Game six. Wait, wait, you asked the question. Game six, okay. I'm not, 1988, okay, I'm, I'm the phantom okay. foul on Bill Lambeer in the final seconds of game six where the Pistons should have closed out the Lakers in the forum in that famous Isaiah ankle game. Right. Bill Lambeer brushed up against Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in the days that they weren't calling fouls on anything. And that's what he meant by cheated. Not actually okay. cheated, right. but they felt robbed. All of Detroit okay. felt robbed in that moment. So... Back to the lecture hand. Remember, I'm a person that says Michael Jordan is the greatest player of all time, right? So this not this is not me yep. coming from a place of hatred for Michael or anything like that, right? And Isaiah later on in that podcast said, "Hey, Michael Jordan has made a lot of money for all of us. He and only he could have could have grown the game and made it global and everything else. He has given Michael all his flowers in that way, even if he." You know, regardless of what he feels about him from a rivalry standpoint, he gave him that. But in that moment, while you're about to, they're about to sweep the champion, right? That is that is what is going to happen. The Pistons were older. Isaiah was hurt. You know, it was the Bulls' time. And, the, and when you got the greatest player in the history of the game at perhaps his individual peak and clearly at his most determined, something like this is going to happen. But the one thing that never happened, I don't I don't ever recall this. I don't remember Stephen Curry doing it with LeBron. I don't recall LeBron doing it. I don't recall any other champion discrediting or saying that someone else's championships won at the hands of your blood, mind you, right? Mm-hmm. That, those piston banners got Jordan blood on it. Don't ever forget that. 
those piston banners have Jordan blood on it, fair and square, right? And now you come back and say, man, them championships don't count. They're undes- you're undeserving. There's certain lines that you don't cross, even through right. rivalry, well, that I feel like Michael Jordan crossed. Well, but I think they're still doing it. They're still crossing. So I just want to let me just let me just go back for a second. You said, "Hey, isn't this what yeah, you we are? Want? You are getting me round like my. I feel like my I, neck. I, I know. Is getting. I know. I love right it. Now. I love you're, that. You are doing this it. to me. Come on, man. Come on. Is this your last appearance for 2022? We got to do it right, man. <laughs> we got to do it right. Look, uh, you said this is what we asked for. We want our champions to be at, at odds on the court. I, so I was just thinking because we've lost uh, these two great men over the years. We lost uh, Bill Russell this year. Uh, mm-hmm. We lost Wilt Chamberlain. I believe it was 1999. Uh, 99, When, when yep. Chamberlain died. So, yep. I remember Chamberlain. I'm not going to tell you who the MC was because then that will really derail our conversation. But okay, okay, there was a Bill Russell. There was there was a Bill Russell tribute at Boston Garden in 1999. It was like in the spring of '99, so a lot of people were there. Wilt Chamberlain was there. Aretha Franklin was there. I mean, it was like star-studded. So Chamberlain is there with Russell, and they're telling the story and how when they played against each other. Yeah, they were rivals on the court. And even after Wilt, Wilt retired, they had some issues, uh, but they resolved those. But they were rivals. When they played in Philly, Bill Russell, Wilt's mom be like, come over to the house. We'll, we'll make you dinner. You're going to take a nap upstairs, and then we'll go to the game. <laughs> so, I mean, I think we want to see it on the court. What, what I don't want to see, I just want to be clear. This is where I'm coming from. Hey, you know, dap the guy up after the game. You know, be friendly after the game. That's cool. But on the court, I really do want to see that compete level. I want it to be high. I like what the Pistons did to Jordan. I like it. Oh, you will come to the lane. The Prince of air. Oh, for real. Okay. Here's an elbow right to the chest. Oh, we're going to make you toughen up. And they did. They did it. He should give the Pistons credit. He and Scotty need to get stronger because of what Detroit did to them. Detroit wore them out. So I, I like that. But I think the lines are being crossed here, maybe to a point that I'm a little uncomfortable because okay. I think Jordan feels like Jordan feels like Isaiah froze him out of that all-star game was at 1985. So the all-star game frees out. So he's got issues over that. Then uh, the, the Pistons win championships. Jordan is now seen as this guy who can score, but can't win. He's in his late twenties. Now 27, 28 still hasn't won a championship. And the Pistons are getting the glory. So he's got issues with that. Then the handshake thing. Now Isaiah is clapping back. I think the last dance really pissed him off. That pissed him off. And so now, man, Vinny, to say the whole black community thing. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. (laughs) Hold on. You think Jordan meant that? I don't think Jordan meant that. But now with Isaiah introducing this, now, now, this is supposed to be a family matter. Now we're going to turn the community against each other. We're going to have a, we're going to have a civil war. I, I think, over this? I, I think, I think what happens, there are certain trigger words. And Isaiah Thomas is the native son of the West side of Chicago. Never discount the part that the city of Chicago as a battleground plays yeah. in this. And not from the standpoint of a, of a jealousy, although I'm sure that could be a part of it. But Isaiah Thomas has always railed against labels. He's always been that right or wrong. That is something that that man has stood stood against is being labels. Because as we know, labels never work for black folks. Can you think of a label mm. that works for black people? Because mm. <laughs> I don't. Mm. You know what I mean? Take your time. So take your time. So on I this one. think I believe that when you hear those things, even if it wasn't Michael's intent, and I'm not, I don't, I don't think it was. I think he was strictly talking about it from an athletic from a competition standpoint and he had his time to gloat in the day between game three and four where you're up 3-0 you're in this team's building you're going to probably sweep them the next day because they're wounded and that's what it you know that's what it's going to be nobody's just discounting the facts of that but I do think that it struck Detroit a certain way my that the thing about like this Michael Holly by and large Michael Jordan can be cheered in Salt Lake City and he put them out of the finals in devastating fashion twice. And Salt Lake City ain't kind of nobody asked Donovan Mitchell, right? 
there's the one place that Michael Jordan will never be wholly cheered, no matter how many people wear his shoes or have him in the background or whatever it is, will be Detroit, mm. Michigan. Because of things that he said that day, things that he said since, and the ways that he discredited a champion. The one thing that Detroit has always wanted, and you know this from being from Cleveland, one thing these Midwest cities, these Midwest teams, they want validation. They want That's right. to be validated. What give me my props. Give me acknowledge it. Yeah, acknowledge it. Give me credit. In the words of Pac, in the words of Tupac, give me my proper etiquette. And Michael Jordan never gave Detroit, never gave the Pistons their proper etiquette. And everybody goes on to say, well, Michael Jordan shook the Pistons' hands when they lost and everything else, as if 1990 and 1991 were were years apart. Like the way history is framed, it's almost like. June 1st, 1990 happens, and then the very next day is May 30th, 1991. A lot of things happen in between then. And I'm with you, Michael, on this. I'm with you on it being a little uncomfortable because two pillars in various degrees of black excellence, two guys who helped to bring the NBA to the way that it is now. Remember, from the way that they were dressing, to the NBA players being on commercials and having a certain amount of equity that had not been afforded to NBA players of times before then. Like, people talk about those players not speaking out, but they never talk about the players earning the equity that players of today are building on and cashing in on that equity. They were coming from the ground up. Isaiah and Michael and Magic and Julius Irving were coming from the ground up and being accepted into your living rooms and into corporate America in ways that generations never have passed. So to see this And it's never happened in any other sport either. It never happened in never. Any, other, uh, any other sport. Never. It was not happening for, for black athletes in baseball, clearly. Nope. Uh, it, was not ha- it was not happening in football, except for OJ. But OJ said, I'm not black, I'm OJ. Okay. I'm not so black, that's I'm a different OJ. story altogether. You're right. So wasn't happening there. Uh, hockey, as Cedric said, ain't no brothers I don't in know hockey. About hockey. I don't know about hockey. And then, and then we have basketball. The basketball, it they really did. They were they were foundational. It wasn't just ma- it wasn't just um, Magic and Bird that that brought the NBA back in 1979, 1980. It was Magic, Bird, Doc, uh, Isaiah. I mean, all of the, a lot of those got Dominique. I give Dominique credit too. Like a lot of these guys were doing. Just, just their style, just their charisma, really, Kareem, all helped put the league in this position where it is today. Now, we talk about number one. So, uh, actually, final word on this. How do you think it ends? Because I want to transition to another, real quick, another greatest, another great. How do you I think this love, ends? Do they, do they shake hands I and would, have dinner or no? <laughs> I think, here's what I'll say. I think these two men are far more alike than they're willing to admit. I just think one was hardened through the streets of Chicago and one grew up middle class in Wilmington, North Carolina. But I think to some degree, they are largely so similar that they don't like what they see when they look at the other. Like, think about it like this. And this, and this, is, my fi- this is my real final word on this. Michael Jordan has been lauded for being the pettiest man alive, right? Like we saw it on the last dance, how petty he was. Mm-hmm. We've made all these gifs. And, and I took you know, that every, personally. I, I, and, I took, and, and we laud him for that. We celebrate him that for that. That becomes a part of his lore. But Isaiah right. Thomas isn't allowed to be petty. He isn't allowed to have feelings and grudges. But Michael Jordan is. Make that make sense. Make this make sense. Check this out. The Warriors are in town, and I know Steph Curry's not playing tonight, but Klay Thompson's still there, Draymond Green, Jordan Poole. The champs are in the building, and yet you left your golden chain, the gold leagues and everything at the house. What's up with that, man? Let me tell you something. I don't care who on the court. We ain't scared of nobody, man. This is New York City, baby. Holla at me. We ain't scared of nobody. Come through, you might get 
punch in the mouth. Like Mike Tyson said, everybody got a plan until they get hit in the face. What do you think of fight like a girl? What do you think of the Warriors' slow start to the season? Are you surprised? We're gonna make Golden State put Vaseline on their face before the fight. Dr. Freddy Pacheco? Clay's right behind me right now. He's standing right behind me right now. He get ready to get his. <laughs> hey Tracy, are you just are you surprised at the Warriors' slow start to the season? Say that again. Are you surprised at the Warriors' slow start to the season? Uh, am I surprised at the Warriors' what? Slow start. Slow start this season. Nah, man. All good things come to an end, baby. <laughs> <laughs> this is New York time, pop. New York. Hey, listen. Vinny, I don't know if all good things have come to an end. I know the Knicks look really good right now. They got an eight-game winning streak. And I just put this in the feed. Tongue in cheek, but I think I kind of believe it. Give Steph the MVP. Give him the MVP because the dubs are trash without Steph. Am I overreacting? Is that hyperbolic? Very hyperbolic, but I don't it know is. what they were with them. I don't know what they were with them, to be perfectly honest. When you say they were trash, they're trash without them. They they were still barely a 500 team with them. I don't think Steph is the MVP. But they had a chance. They had a chance to like, they had a chance to just catch fire with Steph. Now, nah, this team, uh, hey, they and still Natalie has brought this up. Comes back. Not, not, Natalie has brought this up before. We may, we may have gone above and beyond, maybe gone too far talking about all the talent that's around Steph. No, Steph, man, Steph makes that whole thing go. And you take him out. I mean, I ain't worried about Golden State without Steph. I don't care what happens. If they don't have Steph, they really, they're not a playoff team. I'm going to say that. They are not a playoff team without Steph Curry. Well, here's, here's what I will say. I, I think it's true. Here's what I will say. And since we're on a Detroit theme, I feel like I can uh, speak in turn here, Michael Holly. I right. think Stephen Curry is the most indispensable player in the NBA. Like only one person can drive that very sophisticated Golden State Warriors car. I've never driven a stick in my life, right? You, you could you ask me to drive a stick, I'm gonna be looking at you like you know something's wrong, right? Never, You're never done out. it before. You're missing out. It's great. I'm telling you. I, 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 I like my vehicle. I'll send you a picture of it later. But what I will say is, <laughs> you know how you know how some musicians, when they were with Motown Records, they sounded really, really good, and then they went mm. somewhere else, and the music didn't mm. sound so good because they didn't have mm. that very gaudy funk on it. That they didn't have the Holland Doja Holland you know, writing and production and the Funk Brothers on yeah. it and all that. It was the same talent, yeah. same singers. That's what maybe Golden State is without Stephen Curry. They're the same players, but if you don't have the person that knows how to take those instruments, mix them together, make it yeah. go, that's like, uh, maybe modernize it, Dr. Dre. You've seen people with Dr. Dre, you've seen people without Dr. Dre, and you know the difference is Dr. Dre. That's what Stephen Curry is. He's Barry Gordy. He's Dr. Dre. He is that mediocre songwriter, babyface. Oh, he, he's that. See, 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 there it is. Time for shots. You know what? It's time. It's time for a break. I'll now you're, now you want a babyface. I'll buy now your you clothes. <laughs> I'll cook soon your as, dinner too. Hey, that's what we do. Soon as I get home. Soon as I get home from work. <laughs> come on, come on. Have some standards. Hey. As soon as he gets home, something to look forward to. He gets home from work, he gonna do all this stuff. Cook your That's own great. food. You ain't got to make my plate. Make your own. No, 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 no. This is like this is he's meeting her where she is. This is what this is what she values. Now some women they just want they want you to work. That's their love language. Hey, why don't you go ahead and why don't you go ahead and fix that hole that's been there? Simp you know, anthem. why don't you that's go ahead and repair, repair the roof? Whatever. Clean you the want, basement. It's all right with me. No, it ain't. It ain't all right with me. I need to see terms and conditions. 
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, welcome back to the show. Earlier today, I had a chance to sit down with Prime Videos. That's right, Prime Videos' Andrew Whitworth. He's in his first year as a pre- and post-game analyst. Does a really good job. I had a conversation with him and even asked him to take a shot at Michael Smith. Let's see if he handled that. Here's our conversation earlier. You guys all love football. You watch on Thursday night, prime video, Thursday night's football team, and you see the guy who is anchoring, who's anchoring the coverage. He's not technically the anchor, but he's anchoring the coverage. See a left tackle there on the set, pregame and postgame. It is Andrew Whitworth. Andrew, thanks for hanging out with brother from another. We're just a little show trying to do the best we can. And I want to ask you this because this time last year, I was arguing with Michael Smith about the Rams who was all on the Rams bandwagon. He was on the Rams bandwagon. I said, I don't know about this team. I don't know if they have what it takes. You guys are making that push. And not only did you make the push, you, you made it to the Super Bowl and won it. Uh, what was it like this time? What was your mentality this time last year? as you were just getting ready to uh, see what you could do in the playoffs. I think really when you look at our season last year, you know, you, you had some success early in the year. You, you built a, a pretty good foundation for what was going to be a good year. And then we really had that lull there where it's like, man, we, could, we all of a sudden kind of just lost ourselves a little bit. This time last year, we had really just kind of like, hey, we just got hot. We're starting to like rebound back from that Packers loss on the road and starting to get a lot of confidence and belief. And I thought there was really a mentality change. I think sometimes you look at it, you go out there and you compete to win football games. But then there's other times you go out there and you say, hey, I'm out here to win the physicality of this game, the challenge of who's going to be the most physical, who's going to be the most dominant, and the score will handle itself. And I thought we kind of flipped the switch from trying to win and win in a certain fashion and feel good about the way you beat a team to, hey, we're going to go win each and every snap with the energy, the passion, the physicality that we want to play with and let the score kind of handle itself. And I think that was the biggest difference really in our team throughout the second half of the season, and even in the playoffs, is it was more about snap in and snap out and less about results. And that really led us to that point where you start going, man, things are going in our direction. Things are starting to happen. Uh, you start to see the emergency of Odell Beckham and, and Von Miller and these things as the stretch went down and why they were such big additions. Uh, it was a lot of fun, I can tell you that. You know, Andrew, uh, all the interviewing experts tell you that to save your, your toughest questions for last, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break the rules. I'm going to ask you the toughest question. Number two, what's it like to work with Michael Smith? Be honest. Now, be honest now. Man, you tell you us, what's what? it like to Mike's work with great. him? Mike's great. We've uh, we've had some great conversations to philosophize on life and all the world's problems, and uh, you know I love doing that. So uh, a cup of coffee and talk about ways things can be better uh, everywhere for everyone is is something that's a big passion of mine. And so we have some good combos, man. I love hearing his insight and just his perspective on things is so cool. Uh, I've learned a lot just from those conversations and really his mentality around media and everything else uh, has been a lot of fun for me because it's. I'm in a whole new world now and I'm learning a lot of things and hearing somebody like him 
who just uh, represents in such a great way. It's been a lot of fun for me to be around people like that and, and just try to be as much of a sponge as I can. Man, I'm always so mean to him. And to hear that nice answer, you know, I, I got to reconsider, you know, the way I treat him. You know, that, that was a better answer than I expected. Um, but you, you did mention that like, you're new to this game and it, it must be a, a, an incredible transition. You know, you play, uh, you play football for such a long time. You're the oldest left tackle in football, 41 years old when you retired. What's it like to go from this life that you've known pretty much most of your life to this media game with, with people like us? You know, what, what's been the, I, I'd say the biggest transition for you? You know, it's been crazy. I, I think um, I've more, or more been shocked and kind of uh, just inspired really throughout it because I think for so long, you know, what I did playing left tackle it's really about understanding the defense to some degree and really some of the things you're trying to do, but mostly it's about your matchups and who you're blocking and how you're going to block them and then also the plays you're going to run. And so for me, really to go from this pretty small focus of, you know, obviously with my career it got a lot bigger just because I played so long and I understood more naturally, but really always a small focus of, you know, you're facing Nick Bosa this week or Terrell Suggs or James Harrison or Dwight Freeney or, Dwight, you know, uh, John Abraham, all the guys over the years, Demarcus Ware, just tremendous rushers, and Von Miller, that you're trying to just, hey, how do I block this guy? And now to get to a place where I'm studying the game in an entirety, everything from a front office to draft picks and everything in between, systems, schemes, players, you name it. And so for me, it's been just so exciting because now all the attention and detail I used to give to that part of my life, now I'm giving it to being able to understand what I'm looking at and what I believe in, in the game of football, and I've never been more excited to watch. I mean, every week, I don't want to miss one single game. I want to catch every game, whether I'm talking about it or not. And then, obviously, you have the teams that you have a heart for because you played there or you have some kind of relationship with somebody there that you want to watch. So I, I've just loved being a fan slash media member who just is invested in watching the league and where it's going. Uh, I couldn't be more excited to be exactly where my feet are right now. You, know, you talk about these teams uh, and organizations. It's not just a winning team. It's a winning organization when you win a championship like you guys did last year. I remember talking with Teddy Bruschi once and he said, you know, on our championship teams, there was a moment. Well, I didn't know we were going to win it, but there was this moment I knew that we could. There, there's some moment in the season we like, oh, we can do this. W was that the case last year for the Rams? And if so, w when was that moment for the Rams? You know, this sounds crazy to say this. Our, I, I believe our moment last year for that was in Green Bay when we got pound, you know, just crushed by the Green Bay Packers uh, playing in Green Bay. That was our third loss in a row. And at the end of the game, we were down a ton. We made a run to make it a game right before it ended. That was really the first big play Odell had made since he joined us. We'd kind of been off, uh, not playing as well. Odell catches the ball for a touchdown. Um, and then we kind of made a run there at the end of that game. And I can remember standing in the locker room with Odell, Stafford, Cup, everybody, and we were kind of in a little circle, just kind of talking the game over, assessing it. And it wasn't one of those situations where guys were down and pouting and just like, oh, man, you know, so upset and disappointed. Every guy to a man looked at each other like, man, dude, just something about that last half of football. If we can find a way to bottle that, we can win it. And, and like, it was the most confident, loss I'd ever sat in the locker room after like guys were literally confident after losing like hey if this is the best team and this is one of the teams we have to go through we can beat this team if we have to and if they're the best we can beat everybody else and we left there feeling like this season's about to change and sure enough it did you know that's a that's an interesting story really like you know sometimes teams get they get inspired, even though from the outside looking in, we say, oh, they're in trouble. And, and you look at uh, these two teams that, that you have on Thursday night. You got Jacksonville under 500, but you feel like there's some momentum with Jacksonville and Trevor Lawrence. He's playing with the confidence. And then the Jets, they're 500, but there's some uncertainty there with the number two overall pick, uh, Zach Wilson, seemingly making every throw for his job, for his starting job. How do you see this game, just the dynamic of it, uh, as you go into it and, and prepare to analyze it? Well, I think it's very similar to the story I just told you. Look at Trevor Lawrence. I mean, a lot of his, you know, 
the streak. He goes back to, I go back to the Denver game when he said, you know, after that game, I never want to put my team in this situation again. I never want to be the guy who's the reason we're losing these games because of something I'm doing. I want to make it right. And I want my team to believe that I'll put them in a situation to win. And you look at how he's played since then. And it's been lights out right there with the best in the NFL in a lot of statistics. He's been on fire. And that was his moment where he said in a downtime and a loss, like, you know what? I'm going to change it from right here. And I think he's done that and he's shown that. And then you look on the other side, the Jets are still waiting for Zach Wilson to have that moment. I don't think he's had it yet. You can even see last week, there's still plays he makes, but this is the reality. He's the number two pick and his arm talent's unbelievable. Like he, those plays aren't the exceptional plays that I'm looking for. It's I want to see him play the game of quarterback the best he can. And that is go in there efficiently, run the offense, put his team in good situations, hit the easy throws that he can throw and make more accuracy out of the pocket with his throws. You know, it's those kind of things, just playing the actual position of quarterback better that you want to see out of him and him have that moment where he goes, hey, every single player who plays this game, I don't care what position you play, you reach a point where you realize talent doesn't matter. There's talent all over the football field. I've got to become the most efficient and consistent football player I can become if I want to be successful and I want to last in this league. And at some point, I need my moment to put my foot in the ground and say, I'm going to become that from this day forward. And he's got to find it because his team wants it. And now there's a lot of pressure from all over directions, just like you said, where it feels like every throw and every decision he makes is being scrutinized to the nth degree. And it's because he's put himself a little bit in that situation, but he's got to find a way to say, I want to embrace it, put it on my back. I'm going to take it on and I want, I want this challenge. I want this adversity because I'm going to show y'all who I am. A final question for you, Andrew. I love December football, December and January when you start to separate from the pack. So you're a champion and I, I think a champion, a real champion who can recognize another champion, whether they have that degree already or not, or they're about to get it. So as you look around, who's got that look? Who's got that look you for know, you? You say, all right. I think when you look around, man, you got to look at some of these teams, uh, you know, what they were kind of up and down on throughout the year. And then also the teams that have been good all year. And I think you look at Philadelphia, you know, obviously people first thing want to do is point to all the weapons they have and, and how Jalen Hurts has played. But I think you cannot emphasize enough what having Lane Johnson and Jason Kelsey and some veteran O-linemen that have won it before, that have been in this time before, understand what December football is, understand what playoff football is. And then look on the defensive side with Brandon Graham and Fletcher and those guys. Like, they've got the pedigree of, hey, we got young talent, but we also got old heads who've done it and played that way. They love physical football. They love December football and playoff football. They've been there before, and they can give the guidance to all that talent and ability. That's why I still think, regardless of how people try to find a way to say that Philadelphia's going to fall off, they've got the experience to handle that situation best, and the Niners are that kind of team too. But when I look at those two teams, I put them together. As much as I believe in the Niners' defense and their schemes and everything else, you just got to say at the end of the day, both teams are super talented. What am I going to go off of? Let's go off just quarterbacks. Although Brock Purdy's an awesome story, I'm still going to say I think Jalen Hurts is going to be the guy out of that situation that rises to the top. So I still have to say the Eagles are going to be there. And then in the AFC, man, Cincinnati just finds ways. Without, without regardless of injury and everything else, they're finding ways to win. And guess what? They got there last year. They know what it means to get hot. I still think it's Cincinnati, Buffalo, and the Chiefs. Mm. But I think this year you'd have to lean on. Buffalo and Cincinnati have been able to play more complimentary football where they're really good on defense and offense. So I think it's going to come down to one of those two teams. And I think Cincinnati might find a way to pull it off. Oh, I like it. I like it. You know, talk about your, your one with uh, your most recent team last year, your first team, the Cincinnati Bengals. It would be great to see them uh, win their first Super Bowl in franchise history. They've been there. A few times, but it'd be good to see them pull that off. He's Andrew Whitworth. You can check him out on Prime Video's Thursday night football coverage. Andrew, we love watching you. We love listening to you. And now you're officially part of the brother from another family. Come back with Michael Smith. Please bring Michael Smith back. I think you've been in that seat longer than Michael Smith has been there this week. So <laughs> we, you can always, uh, you can always hang out with us. We appreciate you. Anytime, man. I'd love to. I appreciate it. So, yeah, fun conversation with Andrew Whitworth and this story, uh, not 
fun at all, Vinny Goodwill. And I heard about this this morning. Took me back to my childhood. I grew up. I was a Steelers fan living in Akron, Ohio. It did not play well in my household full of Browns fans, but uh, I love the Steelers. My big brother loved the Steelers, too. We were the only two uh, in, in the Holly household in our whole uh, immediate family and extended family who loved the Steelers. And, you know, I, I think the Steelers and the city of Pittsburgh got Franco Harris right because they never called him Harris. Nobody ever called him Harris. You can say Bradshaw. You can say Swan. You know, there's Mean Joe, Mean Joe Green, Lambert. But with Franco Harris... They called him Franco. It was Franco and that was it. And they treated him like that. They treated him like that when he played it. They, they brought out the humanity. I think this, the city really embraced the humanity of Franco Harris. And that's why at, at, in retirement, Vinny, he was uh, he was still a member of that community. He opened a couple of businesses there. He's got a statue there and the cruel irony he dies this mm-hmm. morning at the age of 72. Mm-hmm. The cruel irony is we're two days away, two days away from the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception. That play right there, uh, one of the greatest plays in NFL history. The first postseason win in the history of the Steelers was that game right there. And it was supposed to be a celebration. The Steelers were going to retire that number 32. That's not what they do. A lot of organizations retire a bunch of numbers. Franco Harris is going to be the third retired uh, number in Steelers history. And we still don't know the cause. Uh, the Steelers announced that he, he died overnight. So I still know uh, what your thoughts are about Franco Harris, but uh, I was just really sad to hear this news. Yeah, it was, uh, you, you read, <clears throat> when you hear names like Franco Harris, you think they're older than what they are, Right. And then you find out, <clears throat> 72 years old. And when you saw him and when you heard him, you know, from a public speaking standpoint, he didn't look it. He didn't look or sound sick. I think mm-hmm. he was doing uh, Sirius XM radio yesterday. He just sounded like himself. And I hear you on the Steelers not retiring jerseys. It's not something that they do. But, man, wouldn't it have been wonderful to give this man the flowers that he deserved while he was still here? You know what I mean? Like Terry Bradshaw's jersey, yeah. I believe, has not been retired. So it's not like nope. they're exercising nope. a, a certain, you know what I mean? They're playing favorites. They just have a, you know, the standard is the standard, which makes sense in a lot of different ways. When it comes to retiring a jersey, though, man, sometimes you want to celebrate the guys that you have while they're still around because you never, never know when it's going to happen. You know, and, and being a former yeah. Lions fan, I don't have Super Bowls to uh to to look at i don't have super bowl runs or playoff runs or anything of the sort so you look at other franchises that do have that history and the Steelers are certainly one of them and and franco harris was done playing well before i was born so everything that i have any memories that i have would be on the nfl films footage with uh steve sayball and, yeah. and the music and the slow motion but man when i heard mike tomlin today speak about franco harris that was the thing that you know it touches you because you're talking about not just an athlete, you're talking about an actual human yeah. being. You know what I yes, mean? This is that's a, right. This is a, we tend to memorialize the athletes, but forget about the man. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, I don't and think, I think and that's, that's why I said they called him touching it. Yeah, I, I think that's what the stand. That's why I said the, the Steelers when they were calling him Franco in the '70s on the field. They probably didn't even realize these fans didn't even realize what they were doing. There was something about him. They were, they were drawn to him. Uh, like, and, and you think about those Steelers teams. Think about those. So four championships in six years. The face of those teams is you, you, you think about the defense. They used to shut people down. So you had Green and you have Lambert and you have Ham and you have Donnie Shell and Mel Blunt, like all these big, big hulking defensive players who would really uh, just, just snuff out anything that you were trying to do. Like nothing worked. For a long time, nothing worked against them. But Franco Harris was the opposite of that. Quiet. He was a big guy too. And that's the thing that, that surprised me when I, because as a kid, you're just watching him. And I loved watching him run. I just like he, he galloped. I just like the way he galloped. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. surprised. I was surprised he was 230 pounds. 
So this is not a he was a fullback in college. So this is not like one of these 185 190 pound backs. He was a big guy, but he didn't come off that way. Not on the field. He had a little grace uh, when he ran. He was kind of quiet. Uh, but he was he was the glue. He really was the glue offensively that brought everything together for the Steelers as Art Rooney uh, as Art Rooney's grandfather said we didn't win that much when he wasn't here and when he got here we never lost. So Franco Harris gone 72 years old rest in power. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. You know, Chris Rock had a movie called Top Five. Remember that movie? And every time people would talk in that movie, there's always that line, who's your top five? Top five MCs. Well, every good basketball fan has a top 10. And we know, Vinny, that the top 10 is fluid. It changes. Absolutely. Sometimes, Absolutely. sometimes, month, sometimes monthly, sometimes daily. Mm. It all depends on who's hot. So Shay Gilgis Alexander uh, is having a terrific season for OKC. And but it's more than that. It's more than that. I, I recently did a top 10. I put Devin Booker at the number 10 spot. But I did that knowing that 10 is always fluid. And I did that because I wanted to get Natalie's attention. She can't stand the sun. So I just put him in there to kind of be provocative. But of I did course. not have I did not have Shay Gilgis Alexander in my top 10. And what's wrong with me? I should have. I got to revisit my top 10. I got to take somebody out. I got to put him in. He is a top 10 player and he's ascending. And I think you agree with me. True or false? I have look not done a look, top 10 and, list. And look at this. And by, by the way, uh, also, can I declare this? Since the Clippers didn't win the championship and they're not going to. Can I declare this a not a win by knockout? Like in the second round, it's a second or third round knockout, not a TKO. This is a knockout. And since you're from Detroit, this is Thomas Hitman Hearns knocking somebody out back in the day. This trade that OKC got the made to get Shea Gilgis Alexander in Oklahoma is a runaway and it still ain't over yet. Well, not so fast, my friend. Now, we're going oh, to go okay. to Thomas okay. Hearns knockouts. <clears throat> All right. We All got right. Tommy knocking out Pepino Cuevas. We got Tommy knocking right. out Roberto Duran in Las Vegas. This feels more like Thomas Hearns against Sugar Ray Leonard, where it goes the entire 15 rounds. And here's why. Mm. Oklahoma City still has not played a game of consequence since that Paul George trade. They have not played a game of consequence. They could very okay. well get Victor Wimbenyama. It's cute to have and own all the draft picks for all the future. But we're talking about right now. And I love Shea Gilgis Alexander. I love his game. It's kind of shades of a slower Penny Hardaway, where it's just super, super smooth, super yeah. efficient. But the Clippers, 
still do have a chance. I wouldn't say a strong chance, but they have a chance of playing in June. And with Paul George came Kawhi Leonard. And they did, in fact, reach the Western Conference Finals in 2021. So I would be very careful to call something a knockout when we have yet to see Oklahoma City play a game of substance and consequence, which plays to you saying, why why isn't Shea Gilders-Alexander getting more love? Because Oklahoma City's not playing a game worth of consequence. Are we that simple, though? Are we that simple, though? Are we that simple? Can't we we look uh, and find diamonds in the rough? Are are, Are you capable of doing that? Yes, you are. Am I capable of doing that? Yes, I am. I can't I can't look and see talented players, even though maybe they don't have a bunch of talent around them or their general manager is just on this kick, as you said, of just collect. Hey, let me get some more. Let me get some more draft picks. I don't even know how I'm going to use them. I just want more. I just want more. Give me more draft picks. And you got this guy, young player still, doing his business. If he were anywhere else, we'd say, of course, he's a top 10 player. He just happens to be uh, in a situation where I really, I, honestly, I don't know what OKC is doing. I don't know. But he happens to be in one of those WTF situations, and I don't want his game to pay for it. I don't want his talents to kind of be victimized by what his general manager is doing. No, I, I don't disagree with you. And here's what I will say as a nod to an apology that I might be making. As many okay. as picks as Oklahoma City has, they could own every pick in the next draft and they still wouldn't have as many hits as Babyface is ready. Now, Babyface, you know, launching the career of Tony Braxton and writing the whole Way in the Exhale album and a bunch Mm -hmm. of, like, seven hours of hits. Like, I looked on Spotify, seven hours of hits on just stuff that he's written. I'm just not a fan of the simp anthems. I'm not a fan of I Pay Your Rent. I'm not a fan of Whip Appeal. we don't raise. Oh, we're not raised to be like that. We're not. We're not supposed Listen. to be. Look, end of the road is the simpiest of the simp songs. You know how much disdain I have for "Let's Get Married." Whatever version y'all want to have, I have twice as much disdain for that simp anthem, "End of the Road," which is why I'm glad Babyface never got his hands on Jodeci because Jodeci kept it Listen. real. Vinny, you will be ready to be married. When you meet someone and you say, and, and, a, and a thought crosses your mind, you know what? I'd pay her rent. I'd pay her rent right now. And then you're going to start singing. You're going to start humming. Baby face. <laughs> Go ahead, Vinny. Go ahead. You already apologized. Might as well sing on the way out. I apologize for saying he's a mediocre songwriter. He's just not a my level. Happy holidays to you. Well, I'll see you. I'll see you in 23. We're going to put on some baby face in the meantime. <laughs> Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.